הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים של רבנו ולכל הצדיקים האמיתיים של שוכני עפר הקדוש משבח עצמה ובבחן רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחנה ובכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן פייג בן שמחה נא נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זוכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן So today we have a small סימן in שיחות הר"ן lesson 92 which we're going to do today בעזרת השם might be a smaller podcast but nonetheless still very deep we're going to talk about uh, the tasks of certain souls when they come down into the world and what they're able to accomplish certain things they're able to change in the world and um, let's hop right into it when a soul descends into the world then the destined task of that soul begins to ascend essentially Rabbi was saying of course with every soul comes a certain task a certain tikkun it needs to do it certain rectification it has certain nuances that each soul is very special at of course one soul might be more inclined to do something in this area whereas another soul is more inclined towards chesed another soul is more inclined towards uh, what do you call it towards happiness whatever I mean I'm, I'm giving examples and midot here but uh, whether you want to get into parnasa or arts you know some souls are, are more inclined on, on how to socialize with other people some souls are more reserved of course each and every soul has its own um, distinctions and um, things that make it special make it unique and each and every soul comes with a destined task a certain pe'ula an action it needs to perform in this world so when the soul begins to ascend that task which that soul is rooted in or that soul has associated with it um, begins to ascend in the world meaning it begins to take prominence kegon ima For example, if you take the soul of a wise man, a scholar, then the wisdom in the world, then wisdom, then scholarship in the world begins to ascend and ascend into new places. From the second this, this soul is brought down into the world, the second of the soul's birth until the day it passes away. Essentially, because that soul has um, scholarship associated with it, then scholarship begins to rise in the world. The same is true if it's a soul of royalty, of nobility. Then military strategy or governmental concerns um, begin to uh, be enhanced. Essentially, they begin to elevate. They begin to take more prominence. They, there's more wisdoms in that thing, that uh, in that category, in that section, or in that uh, area that begin to be uh, revealed. Essentially, with each and every soul comes a certain um, task associated with it, and that task begins to, to have importance the second it's brought into the world, up until that soul passes away. And if you want to take the category of wisdom, as we talked about above, according to the type of scholarship that we're talking about, meaning each and every soul um, specializes in, if we're talking about a soul of scholarship, there's many types of scholarship. So a soul might be, engage in a certain type of scholarship over another. For example, a wisdom of science versus another who's in a wisdom of math or whatever it might be. So according to the type of scholarship, wisdom, whatever that wisdom might be, then that wisdom that that soul is, is specialized in, that soul has its destined task in, that wisdom uh, begins to elevate itself in the world, begins to ascend. And the same is true according to the essence of that type of nobility, whatever nobility it might be, whether it's um, a high position in uh, the bank or a high position in kingship or a high position in something else, you know, whatever it might be. 
If it's a kingship of wickedness, or it's, if it's a kingship of goodness, of, um, of um, positivity and holiness, or if it's a kingship of evil, then evil might grow into the world, uh, or if it's a kingship of good, then good might grow in the world, and there will be more good things that come about. Hakral, the main idea is what? The main idea is that the task in which that soul is associated with begins to ascend the second that soul is brought down into existence. The second that soul is birthed in the world is the second that task associated with that soul begins to take prominence. And now Rabbeinu explained the way a person's life works. Yes, a person has a certain task associated with it because uh, with him because of the soul that he has. But each and every person's life has um, years of um, or days of ascent, days of stability, and days of decline. Kigon, for example, if a person lives to seventy years old or meashana or hundred years old, then the first third of his years of his lifetime. Um, are days of ascent, days of strength, where you're growing. The second third are days of, um, of what do you call it, stability, where you're staying the same. Um, your strength is uh, stagnant. And the third, the final third, are days of decline, where you get old and frail. Meaning the, thir- the first third of his days, which go up and up, um, he begins to ascend with all his strength. And then the second third of his years, he begins to stay in stability, in a stable mode. Uh, meaning where all that strength is protected. And you're not moving up or down. And then in the final third of your years, you are descending. Your strength begins to weaken and you begin to grow out, um, weaker and more frail. And your years begin to decline. And Rabbeinu explains that the years of stability, the middle years, are those of fullness. Milua. Those are completeness. That all the strengths of a person are perfect and complete. Meaning, while you're growing in the first third of your years, you haven't reached your full potential yet. Once you finish off and you cap off that growth, then that's where you're fir- the, the middle ground of your years. For example, maybe it's the years from 25 to 45. I don't know. Those years... Um, those middle years of a person's life um, <clears throat> are perfect and complete because the strength is at its full potential and now you're operating with that strength for the next second third of your lifetime. And this represents um, this is, represents a person who is like in the category of um, what we'd call the opposition of the moon. So let's explain what that means because now Ravana is going to explain the structure of the moon and how the moon operates. And the way the moon operates is the same way that we operate. Because the new moon is very small. The second it starts off, it's very small. It's very, very small. Rabbi Nathan has a beautiful piece about this with regard to Asamra. Look in Parashat Bo. Um, over there, there's a, we, we talk about the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. And the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh or Bikat Lebana. This idea um, that's incredible over there that mentions this idea of um, the blessing of the, uh, what do you call it, the new moon and the Rosh Chodesh, the new moon, and uh, when you bless on it and all these things that have to do with Azama, when, it's a, when the moon's at its small point, that's when you have to find the Nekudat Tova, 
meaning the moon at its small point is like a, a spark in the sky. The sky is dark. Is dark. But we say, You make um, the tzaddikim, essentially, they make, or Hashem Bach always constantly does this. But we are, the, the goal is to make the, the public, the many, uh, righteous like the stars. That the stars in the night sky represent those, those sparks or those, um, those points of good within the darkness. Essentially, Rabbi Nathan saying the same thing about the moon. That when the moon is at its smallest point, it's like a point in the sky. The sky is dark at night. But that moon illuminates a very long way. It can go a very, very, very long way. It can shine a very, very distant path. And essentially, that's what we need to do. When we're in a dark place, we need to find a good point. So, of course, that's a beautiful inyan that Rabbi Nathan explains over there on the Mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. Chodesh um, Rosh Chodeshim. Where... Um, but nonetheless, Rabbi Nathan, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Nathan continues to write here on a different subject. And uh, Rabbi Nathan continues to say on the subject of Rabbeinu is writing here, that what? That the new moon starts off very small, but then it waxes and it grows greater and greater, begins to greaten its size until it stands opposite the sun, as brought down in the Tosfot Yom Tov. And then it's in the aspect of stability, the moon. The moon's in its aspect of stability. It, it developed that size and that strength and then it stayed the same way. And then afterwards it wanes and it begins to minimize itself. And Rabbeinu continues on the subject. That what? Rabbeinu continues about the nature of the moon. That the nature of the moon or that moisture is determined by the nature of the moon. Um, what that means is this. And we're going to see here the example Rabbi Nathan, Rabbeinu brings here. The Rabbi Nathan writes, Therefore we see with regard to the sea, that at, as the lunar cycle progresses, begins to advance, that the tide begins to rise as the lunar, um, as the lunar uh, cycle begins to progress. <clears throat> and it begins to rise and rise. Um, until the end of the cycle, where at the end of the cycle the moon wanes and the tides are reduced. So this is the way it works. And the same is true of the man's life. A man's life begins to go strong and there's years of stability and then the years of decline at the end. The same is true of this. And then Rabenu brings down the, the, the technicality of moisture and the tides and how the sea works and the, the tides of the, the, the bodies of water of the world work, essentially with regard to the moon. And uh, of course, these are all mysteries that Rabban was speaking about here and their connection to each other. But may Hashem Bach open up the gates of wisdom so that we understand the, the simple advice that we should uh, bring out from here. Vedan Rabban also adds to know that we must know meaning the words that the public and the world speaks about. The more the world speaks about a certain idea or subject, the more benign or the more favorable those words become. The more the world begins to discuss a certain idea, um, the more benign it becomes, the more acceptable it becomes. And this is the secret or the subject of what is written over there in the Gemara. Many, many different occasions in the Gemara Brachot and multiple places and many other Masechtot. That what do we say? That it, there's a common phrase in the Gemara that says, It's what people say. And this phrase, it's what people say, is significant to what Rabbi was mentioning. Meaning this is what, these are words of Goyim, of Gentiles. And afterwards, once these, once these Gentiles 
um, what do you call it? I want these words of the Gentiles, these, these conversations of the Gentiles that are uh, common and famous among the Gentiles begin to be spoken by the Jewish people. Um, and now the Jews are speaking about this. Through this, those words and those conversations are created into something extremely lofty and they're sweetened. They become more benign and favorable. The second it enters the Jew's mouth and from one Jew to the next. And this represents the seawater, which is salty, of course. It's impossible to drink seawater. You become more thirsty. But when that water travels, travels through mountains of sand, through that the water is sweetened. Because the, water, because the sand filters that water and creates a sweetening. It, like, it removes those impurities and the salt within the within the water, and then they become fitting to drink. Did not mention more about this, but, um, of course, we can see from here that there's deep secrets that Rabenu hadn't mentioned about this, that he was um, ready to tell, but it uh, wasn't the time, and of course we lost out on it. Um, that's it for today. We continue in the next podcast, starting with Siman Tzadigimel, uh, Lesson 93.